Welcome back to That's a Good Word, a podcast designed to assist and equip Christians through advice from people in ministry. If you're blessed by our content, we'd appreciate if you liked and subscribed to our YouTube channel, and feel free to follow us on any of your social media accounts as well. Feel free to also check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. We are honored today to have on Mr. Matthew Fleming from Arbor Way Community Church in Boston. He's a director of worship and discipleship there. Um, we are honored that he has come on giving us his time. He is, but I mean, from what you're doing, it's a lot of missionary work. You're doing a lot there. It's um, it's an area that he mentioned is very two to four percent um, Christian. Yeah, so, our neighborhood is. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's um, very much a missionary type work there. And he, but he, Paul Fleming's son, um, and he has just been very gracious to give us his time here today, home from Boston for the holidays. Thank That's you right. so much, Matthew, for being here. Thanks, man. You know, got to come home during Clemson Carolina week. You know, right. That's kinda, right. Kind of the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. As a Carolina fan, it was a rough, it's a rough weekend for me. But uh, <laughs> give Clemson credit, phenomenal defense, there phenomenal defense. So, give you an opportunity to share your testimony and then your story sure. about how you're at Arbor Way community. Yeah. Well, uh, my testimony is mostly uh, around around here. Right. Grew up uh, in Travelers Rest area. Uh, lived here until I was uh, 27 or so before I moved away and. Um, when I was in middle school, it was kind of really, I, I grew up in church, you know, dad being a pastor and everything. Uh, and I was in middle school and I had a, a time of about, um, really about three, four weeks where I had a tough time falling asleep at night and just kind of under a lot of conviction. I'd, you know, grown up in church. I had you know, walked an aisle in VBS when I was like four or five or something and just uh, never really had anything settled. It was just kind of like, mm-hmm. this is the church thing to do. And uh, so I had that period of like three or four weeks where I was just under a lot of conviction at night. Um, couldn't fall asleep very easily. Just kind of knew that I didn't have things settled. I didn't, I wasn't in a good place um, in terms of my relationship with God. It was just kind of like a living off of uh, a made up faith kind of thing. And um, yeah, kind of got to that point where God just got a hold of me. I was like, you know what, it's not, it's not worth um saving face or or whatever to you know everybody thinks you're you're a preacher's kid or whatever and you've you walked an aisle so you must have it settled and all that stuff and it's just you know it wasn't worth um what people thought of me or whatever to to not uh, truly humble myself and, and come to the lord so uh walked downstairs talked to dad um he was wondering why i was not in bed at like whatever it was 11 o'clock at night or whatever right. and uh you know had a good conversation and um just kind of got things straight, really gave my life to the Lord there and um, was baptized after that. And, um, you know, it was just, it was, it was half a relief and half uh, just this overwhelming joy kind of thing, you know, and, right. and trying to, uh, you, you kind of have that awesome moment of um, kind of knowing that not like I made a good decision. It's like now my eternity is settled, like mm-hmm. which is it's just such a, a great feeling. And then uh, that obviously leads itself into okay, well, cool. Well, then what's next? Like, what do I do with this? Right. And so, um, God just kind of did a lot of things um, and and put some some things in my life that I never even thought about. You know, I I knew uh, some musicians um, that I was I really respected and looked up to. Oh, it'd be cool to play guitar. Let's learn how to play guitar. Started that journey and uh, had no. Um, thought of leading worship one day or doing anything like that and um started at a had a uh, youth pastor at Forestville that um when I was 16 I was just kind of 
he played guitar and I'd play guitar. We'd kind of mess around before youth and stuff, whatever. And he's like, man, you're starting to sound good. Hey, uh, uh, you're leading next week. And I was like, yeah, what? <laughs> and uh, so I, I'd super appreciate that push. Um, and I kind of did it. And it was really bad for a while and something that God used um, to where I led worship there for other than about a year and a half where I interned at a different church. I was there for uh, about 11 years leading worship mm-hmm. for the same youth group. Um, and then a couple of years into that, um, at a youth camp, uh, as a junior or senior, I'm not even sure which one, um, uh, God really kind of laid on my heart that, that the ministry was something he was calling me to. And I, I half surrendered to it is kind of the way I say it, where I was like, okay, like you want me to do something ministry wise, I I'll do that. But kind of in the back of my mind had some reservations about that in terms of, I'll do it as long as it's not this or this or this. Like, I don't really want to preach. I don't, you know, I don't really want to, like, I don't know if I want to be on staff at a church or something. Maybe just, like, serve God in church by doing music and then still kind of living a normal life outside of that or or whatever. Um, and it, I would say it was, a, it was a pretty pretty long, I don't know, seven or eight year journey of kind of, like, half running from that call. Mm-hmm. Um, and God used... Uh, God used a guy in a relationship in my life where um, we were having a conversation about something that had absolutely zero to do with the ministry or school or anything like that. And he just kind of dropped this random truth bomb in the middle of the conversation of like, hey, you know, if, uh, if God called you to ministry, why aren't you like in school, like studying and getting ready for that? Mm, just kind of yeah. like, what? And it was just kind of, <laughs> it was almost like God just smacked me in the face with it. And I knew, like, I didn't even have a rebuttal to him. Like right. it was, it hit kind of straight to the heart and. Um, so yeah, I kind of started my journey. I'm at Fruitland. I'm still there. It's a long, been a long process. Getting close to the, to to being done though. Almost done finally. Um, but, uh, doing that online and, um, that led pretty quickly within the next couple of years after that to, um, a ministry position at a church in North Carolina where, uh, there's a guy named Ivy Rhodes, who is our pastor now at Arbor Way Community Church in Boston. That's, uh, the connection there. He, um, his dad and my dad were roommates in college and mm-hmm. we were the go on vacation together families and just were really close and grew up together and stuff. Uh, he was a youth pastor while he was at seminary in Wake Forest and he was a youth pastor at a church in North Raleigh and uh, their music guide left. And so uh, he was doing that because a lot of youth guys get roped into doing the extra thing that's around uh, <laughs> when it needs to be done. And so he was doing that and just kind of called and said, Hey, I don't know if you're interested or not, but we have a music position open. Yeah. Um, sent my resume in, uh, again, still kind of a little begrudgingly, not really wanting to be on staff at a church and really not wanting to leave, uh, what I was doing. I was enjoying leading for youth. I, I, I love doing, um, youth things, camps, weekends, retreats, all those kind of things. Still some of my favorite stuff to do from a musical standpoint and getting to hang out with kids I have about the same maturity level as a middle schooler. So it works <laughs> out well. Um, and, uh. And yeah, it was just something that like God just opened that door to, in North Carolina and in, in Raleigh and uh, kind of waited for a few months for him to close it and he just never did. And so I uh, kind of took that step of faith, went up there. Um, the funny part about that is dad had kind of said, hey, you know what? This is a chance for you to get to work with Ivy. Uh, we Ivy, uh, we all knew it was going to be there and go plant a church somewhere in one of the large cities in America. He wasn't sure which one at that point, but... You know, dad said, hey, this is a chance that you get to go work with Ivy and see if maybe 
you know, there's like a long term, maybe you go work with him and wherever he goes kind of thing. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. That's great. Didn't really think a whole lot about it. And then uh, I was there for about a year before Ivy left. He graduated and, and went to Boston to start the church, uh, Arbor Way. And uh, I, I just, again, got under conviction right, right as he was getting ready to leave and uh, kind of said, hey, man, um, I feel like God might be calling me up there to, to work with you at some point. It's like, not now, but later. And I was like, I don't even know if that's a helpful thing to hear. <laughs> like I, this guy that wants to come help you at some point in the future, but not, you know, doesn't know when. Yeah. Uh, and we had some conversations over the next four and a half ish years um, about like, Hey, are you still interested? And I was like, I mean, I still feel like God has me where he wants me now, but is also at some point going to call me there. And then uh, over uh, Christmas, um, I guess three years ago now, he called me. I was on the way home, uh, driving from North Carolina down down here for the holiday, and he just asked me to pray about praying about it. Is what his words were, and I was like, "Yeah, man, of course, of course." And then uh, we got off the phone, and I still had a couple hours of a drive left, so I started to pray and just kind of said, "Hey, dear Lord Jesus," and that's really all. that was my whole prayer. Like at that point, I knew I was like, "Oh, okay, this is different. This is uh, you know something I had been praying about for a while and mm-hmm. felt like I." was where God wanted me to be and that, that was not the move he wanted me to make yet. And then immediately in starting that prayer, it was like, okay, there's something different here. And God's done a lot of things from that point uh, forwards to not only get me to Boston, but to uh, keep me there so far, not having to work a second job and uh, so far having, um, you know, housing uh, provided in ways that it's just, Boston's, we'll talk about it a little bit. It's just such a crazy expensive place to live. And, right. um, you know, when you are raising money, especially I'm trying to raise money from the people that, um, you know, the connections that I have here, those connections are used to life. Um, you know, certain things costing certain amounts, right. You know, you mm-hmm. got to raise this amount of money for, you know, an apartment or something. Well, you got to basically double that for an apartment in in Boston. Right. And so it's just, right. it's, it's been difficult in some ways. Uh, and in other ways, it's just been cool to kind of watch God work, even even in the stuff that is difficult. And so I've been there for um, two and a half years now, uh, which is kind of crazy. It seems like I just got there. I still feel new. Um, but yeah, God's done some really cool stuff. The church is now six years old. Um, and in Jamaica Plain uh, is the neighborhood that we're at in Boston, about 40,000 people in Jamaica Plain. Um, there are three gospel preaching churches. Um and we are really the longest, um, like, that's actually in Jamaica Plain. One of those three churches is kind of on the edge of Jamaica Plain. It's kind of, it borders two different kind of neighborhoods. But as far as being in Jamaica Plain, we're like the longest lasting church as for hmm. like six years that is a gospel preaching church that we even have record of that we can find. So wow. Um, wow. it's been interesting. We don't really know why we're the church that God has decided that would last <laughs> for, for, you know, this amount of time, but, um, we're trying to be faithful and, you know, do what he's, he's, he's called and asked us to do. And we're both in it for the long haul. So, um, right. that's, awesome. that's the, I guess the shortish version of the testimony. Right. So, yeah. Right. Awesome. Well, mm-hmm. it's odd that we're talking about two different cities in the same country and we're going to talk about the differences in culture and the differences in the place, but it's kind of what we have to do, especially for mm-hmm. people that watch, our podcast in the Greenville, you know, in, in the South Carolina and different South Carolina cities, we're kind of used to that small hometown feel. Yeah. Boston is certainly the opposite of that, much different. Um, it's a massive, very popular city. And, um, 
you know, what's different there than here? I mean, we could talk about that probably all day, but yeah. what are some of the differences and, and the challenges of that we might not understand as sure. people that live in Greenville? Sure. There's um, a lot. Uh, I think there's a lot that um, you could probably guess with, um, like I said, the finances or, uh, you know, the traffic, uh, <laughs> um, uh, trying to find a place to park your car and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But there's some things that I didn't realize uh, when I went there. One, in the greater Boston area, there's something like 100 colleges and universities. Wow. So it is a incredibly young city, um, and that comes with a lot of challenges um, just from our educational system in America being uh, very much a certain way when it comes to um, science and and religion and where those things fit in, all kind of stuff. We have a lot of you know conversations with some younger uh, adults, um, college students and and grad students and so on and so forth that you know have this uh, certain scientific reason focused outlook on life that that is what's been drilled into them. So there's you know some of those things that we kind of have to tackle, um, which has actually been, I've, I've, been, I've enjoyed that part of it. Honestly, it's been, it's been cool to kind of watch, um, some of those, you know, wheels turn in people's head as they see some things that have happened through our church that God has done that don't make sense from a reason standpoint. It's mm-hmm. only because God's done them. So, right. uh, it's been really cool to kind of see that. Um, there's some weird challenges that I didn't expect. One, uh, it, right now at this point in, in the, uh, uh, you know, daylight savings time cycle. Uh, it gets dark at like four o'clock there now, like four fifteen, wow. which sounds you know like oh that's interesting fact or whatever. But honestly, that brings with it the season seasonal depression thing. That mm-hmm. is, it's a real thing there that yeah. is just not yeah. ever. I don't know. I just kind of I guess had grown up with the the uh, mentality that was you know there was it was a rare thing, but people dealt rare people dealt with that mm-hmm. when it's like a big thing in Boston where there are people that go to work when it's dark and get out of work when it's dark and mm-hmm. um for someone like me who uh can stay like in the bat cave all day, that's fine, but for a lot right. of people, like not having that sunlight really does cause some some depression, and um you know obviously we we have the answer to the ultimate depression and uh and uh, Christ. And we also have this city that's really on a footprint. If you look at a map compared to um, some of the other cities, um, it's not that big. Like the city of Boston's about the same size as one of the boroughs of New York City. Hmm. And, okay. but you still do have people on top of each other. Right. And it's, it's very packed, very dense. And, you know, we talk about it all the time in our church that there's, there's just people everywhere. And it's still one of the loneliest cities hmm. in the country. It's just because people are, um, they move there for a school or a, a temporary job thing or a project or whatever. Um, I mean, the average time that a person lives in Boston is 18 to 24 months. Wow. And so they're there and they're, you know, they start out alone and whether or not they, they make friends or have time for friends or whatever. And so there's a lot of loneliness going around there too, um, which I just, I don't know, I guess I never thought of yeah. that being an issue in a city where you have, you know, people everywhere. Right. Oftentimes in Greenville, I mean, we, many people grow up there and, you know, mm-hmm. you see somebody, it's like, I've known that person, they've lived here for 40 years. I know where this person lives and, that, yep. and my, buddy, my buddy lives there. It seems like you can kind of get lost in the crowd. Um, and, and 100%. People, it seems that that might be that way. It's 100%. You see, I, I mean, I, I, my mentality or like the picture I have in my mind when I think of that, like lonely person in Boston is 
when you ride the train or ride the bus and it's that person with just, you know, their headphones in and that's just like how they, how they're in between of their life is. So they're never right. interacting with people, um, which, which happens, you know, I, I do that at times sometimes too. And so just trying to, um, kind of play, play into that in terms of how we share the gospel and how we do things. It's like, you know, we try to do some things that help people in our community meet other people in the community, like do some mm. things that kind of, um, benefit the community in a way that that maybe gives us some credibility that they would listen to a gospel presentation or listen to um you know some of the things we have to say um so that's that's been some of the challenges and then some of the more specific challenges to our neighborhood jamaica plain um the way that i try to describe jamaica plain to people down here is that uh jamaica plain is to boston what Asheville is to the south okay and so we have a, a lot of the same uh, things going on, right? And so you have a lot of um, local businesses, some some like art, a lot of artistic kind of things uh, going on. We have like from a religious standpoint, you have like a really high number of people that like Universalist, Unitarian, that kind of like they come with this mentality of basically like I believe in a God, I just don't want him to tell me what to do, kind of right. thing. Um, and then. Um, you also have like a really high percentage of people in the LGBT community. About one in four of the women in Jamaica Plain would identify as lesbian. Hmm. So it's a it's just a weird mashup of people. And and honestly, we're kind of right in the middle. And if you go, if you walk out of our church door and go left, a lot of those things I just said is like that's where it's concentrated. And if you walk out of our church door and go right, you have the largest um, um, like project housing development. Um, in Massachusetts and there's a ton of people down there, a lot of different ethnicities uh, from all over the world, much more family oriented on that side of town, um, but also much more open to the gospel because you have a lot of, a lot of people that come from different countries have, um, they just tend to be more open to the gospel than mm -hmm. uh, some of the uh, people that grew up here. And, uh, and so it's been interesting to kind of see uh, the gospel make some inroads down that way through some of the ministry opportunities we've got to do. And so what that has done, again, with only three um, gospel preaching churches in our neighborhood, what that's done is that's made our church very diverse from multiple standpoints. One, ethnically, it's just really diverse. It, um, uh, that was the first, uh, dad came up to visit our church last year and that was his first comment was like, your, your church, y'all have like everything. I was like, yeah, right. we really do. It's <laughs> And it's awesome. And it also has made us very diverse in, like our spiritual backgrounds, right? So if there's only three gospel preaching churches and I'm a, you know, a Presbyterian or a Methodist or a Southern Baptist or whatever, like there's only so many options. And so mm -hmm. our church has a little bit of everything. And so it's made, uh, it's made worship really fun from my standpoint. Right. Uh, you know, because you have you know, people with Catholic background that I don't think they would move if you paid them to. And then we have <laughs> some people from like charismatic backgrounds that, you know, came from Africa and very like expressive worshipers that I don't think they could sit still if you paid them to. So it's been really fun. <laughs> Um, to yeah. kind of see uh, how God has kind of puzzle pieced us together um, to minister to that community. But there's there's a lot of challenges in Boston. It really is. Um, but also, it's like really clear to see where God's working, and He's He's doing some stuff that's pretty cool. Yeah, often it's really a great picture of what heaven will be mm -hmm. like. Um, Hundred percent with when it's um, with the, the diversity. I imagine also, you know, when you're at a church like that, you kind of have to know your worldview. You kind of mentioned how you're. Mm -hmm. 
you're when when you're sharing the gospel, when you're evangelizing to the community, you're dealing with a lot of different worldviews, different yeah. people that know their worldview and they know why they believe what they believe and they don't agree with Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and some that might have no idea what they believe, but at least if they're young people, they're in college, a lot of them are going to at least have an idea of what their worldview is. Even people that come from other countries, they might mm-hmm. be more open to it, but they know what they believe. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it's from an apologetic standpoint, I feel like you kind of have to be ready to defend your faith from different angles. Hundred percent. Um, it's actually that's what we'll be going over. I, I kind of lead our youth right now. We don't have many, but our few youth that we have, and just it's a pretty new thing for us, our youth group. And what I've learned in just a few months is that that's that's where we're going to have to start. And so we're going to kind of go back apologetics and start like square what like. Does truth even exist? <laughs> you right. know, and, and and it's all right. and, and that's kind of what we've we've learned with a lot of a lot of our people is that um, whether they came to Christ at our church or claim to be Christians before they came, they just kind of they're very young in their faith for mm-hmm. the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, we've kind of had to start square one at some at, at, with a lot of which has been a good thing right. because there's not been a ton of like unlearning that needs to be done. Yeah. It's just kind of like, let's just build and go. And yeah. so, uh, again, I've only been there two and a half years, but man, I've seen some awesome growth in some people's lives that, um, that, I mean, we can't even take credit for. It's just kind of mm-hmm. only been God working and doing some things like, um, you know, one of the, one of the ways we kind of talk about it is here in the South or especially around the upstate of South Carolina, it is culturally beneficial for someone to say they're a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in most circumstances, yeah. right? Um, and where we're at in Boston, like it is majorly detrimental culturally or so, to say that you're a Christian. Like we have a lot of people. Hey, I love my friend. I want to tell them about the gospel. I'm scared that if I do, like they're not going to talk to me anymore. Which hmm. is just I don't I don't I, I never felt like I dealt with that here at all. Right. Like somebody might be like not interested, but we're still hanging out and we're still cool, <laughs> you know. And uh, but. I mean, people that are like, you know, oh, you believe that you're a wackadoodle. I don't really want to hang out with you, anymore, yeah. which is just, I don't know, it's just strange to me. But there's, that's definitely um, something we've had to deal with a little bit, um, which has been, again, kind of cool to see that, um, that, that growth of trying to process through mm-hmm. that, like, fear of rejection, but also, like, but it's, so important that I have to tell them. Yeah. And so it's, it's been, it's been interesting uh, to kind of see some of those things, but yeah, the, the discipleship thing has been, um, it's been really fun, really cool to kind of see, see that play out. And we've had to do that in some different ways. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Right. I had the opportunity to talk to your, um, your dad mm-hmm. not too recently about evangelism and going out in the community mm-hmm. and sharing the gospel and you already have highlighted some of the ways it looks different yeah. in, in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, when when you go out in the community and you're and you're sharing the gospel with people, I'm sure you've had some stories. How what has that experience been like? And have, yep. have people, especially, I mean, imagine you have people in your church come from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that might help. Yeah, know, in certain ways. Oh, 100 percent. It absolutely does. Um, one of the ways it helps is there's a decent amount of Spanish speakers in our community, and we have a handful of them in our church. And so has yeah. been, we've been able to share the gospel in ways that I never would be able to. So that's, right. that's been cool, right. uh, just from a logistical standpoint. But, yeah, we've had to kind of lean into that relational um, evangelism kind of model and try to, that's something we're really trying to push with our people is like, you know, you eat lunch every day. You can find one day a week where you can take your 
coworker to lunch, or I don't know, you got a you're a mo- you're a mother and your neighbor is also a mother. Y'all can go on a walk together or whatever. Just trying to find one day a week where you do something that, with the purpose of uh, building a relationship for the for sharing the gospel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, and kind of talking to our people about there are two major ways that you can share the gospel with words. One is you can open your Bible and you know speak scripture to them. Yeah. And um, there's just a lot of people in our in our specific neighborhood that are just man. You open a Bible and they're they're turned off. They're tuning it out. Right. right. And the um, scripture obviously there's there's power in the gospel and God mm. can do what He wants and I can share the gospel very poorly and God yeah. can bring people to Himself. <laughs> um, but the other side of that is you have a story, right? That God has done things in your life, and our community is really big on what's your truth, what's ma- yeah. what matters to you, and so hey, tell them your truth and sure relate it back to scripture. That's good, do that. But um, be like, yeah, I read this scripture and it seemed really weird to me, and I don't know, but now here I am, a couple years later. And I've seen that play out in my life. So I've seen it be true. And so, yeah, just trying to kind of um, lean into that, like tell people your story. Like mm-hmm. they're not going to deny what God's done in your life, even right. though they may, you know, completely turn off or walk away or cuss you out or whatever if you open the Bible. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's, it blows my mind some of the things yeah. that people get mad about. <laughs> uh, handing, handing out flyers to a trivia night where we're not even sharing the gospel. We're just telling them, hey, Jesus loves you. We're here for you. Right. And they'll just like take it, throw it away, and cuss you out. Trivia night, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's some weird stuff like that, and you just kind of have to go. You know what? Whatever. You know, you shake it off. There, there are um, there are people that need to to hear about uh, hear about the Lord, and and you know, God can convict them even through those actions, which I think is uh, super interesting to see sometimes, where mm-hmm. yeah. people get really hostile, and I mean, they still have to go to sleep at night, and God can convict you at any time. So right. Um, yeah, there's there's some challenges. It's it's some hard things, but um, man, guys, moving, working. We we baptized three this past year or this year, awesome. and then three awesome. last year as well. Um, two of those six were church members that kind of had to get some baptism things straight, which is again one of the things you deal with when you have a bunch of church backgrounds that come in the right. one thing. And I was sprinkled as a kid, and then blah blah blah, and you kind of you know talk them through the baptism thing. Um, and then four of them were. First time, never given their life to Christ, have done so within the last two years. Awesome. And, I mean, from all kinds of different, like, backgrounds. We have, you know, a lady that was in an abusive lesbian relationship that came and gave her life to Christ that we almost didn't have anything to do with her introduction to to, to our church or the gospel. She just found us online and started watching for months. And then wow. got out of that relationship, showed up to church. She's now serving every single week. And wow. it's it's really cool to watch what God's doing in her life. To, you know, another lady who would do a basketball camp is one of the things we do uh, in our community to kind of try to do something for the kids. And then we share the gospel every single night, um, whether they like it or not. And, uh, um, you know, a lady that brought her kids to church after we did the basketball camp all week long and has has given her life to Christ and continue to be a a strong servant. Um, Praying for her husband to give his life to Christ. He's been at church probably 75% of the time that she's been there. Hmm. And so... He's really asking questions and coming along and some things like that. And people that we've hired to run sounds that don't know Jesus, but are right. respectful of our beliefs and stuff and eventually gave his life to Christ and wow. has been baptized. So, I mean, it's, it's some different kind of um, things. You know, I, I know when you talk to my dad, he had talked a lot about like uh, 
going into people's homes and things of that nature. And we we tried some things of that that it's the the northeastern culture is just a little different, right? And they hate it when you show up to the house. And so I, I know it's really weird. Even like friends, people don't like you to come into their place. I think it's probably because they're so their place is so small. All the places are so small. They're yeah. like, this is my one place I can get away. I don't know. And so we've had to try some different things. Like I said, the basketball camps or like really lean into that relational. Like, hey, if if you find someone that you start you know hitting off a relationship with or can be friends with or whatever think about that in terms of the gospel not just oh this is a cool person you know this yeah. is a, a good friend yeah. like think about that in terms of the gospel and uh, where that can go so yeah for sure from a worship aspect mm-hmm. someone who leads worship um you have had the opportunity to kind of be creative with that i mean yeah. i mean there there is a as you mentioned people from different backgrounds mm-hmm. when you go about that um I can that can be a challenge. You talk about worship wars in our part of mm-hmm. this of the in the, the, the Bible Belt. How has the experience with worship been sure. for you? Well, it's been cool because there's not been worship wars. Because when I got there, uh, I remember asking Ivy, like, what you know? Can you give me a list of the songs that your people know so I can have like a baseline to start from, and then we can work out from there? He's like, man, they don't know anything. Just start. He's like, just start where you want. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> it's been kind of cool because a lot of them just don't have a major church background. Yeah. Um, and so we're just, you know, these are the first worship songs that they've heard consistently, mm-hmm. um, as well as like, we have a K-Love radio station that started, uh, like six or eight months before I got there. And that okay. was like the one Christian radio station that's going on there right now. And so it's just not, worship music's not in their normal rotation in life, uh, or hasn't been for the, for in the past. Mm-hmm. And so I try to do a little of everything. Uh, it's been really fun. There's some, um. Try to do a hymn every week. Uh, there's, you know, some of those people who don't like moving. They love those hymns. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know, it's good theology. And, and we try to do some stuff that kind of has a little bit of a lean towards like a more gospel sound. And some things are a little different. There's kind of everything in between. And I honestly have had no pushback on anything worship-wise. And so right. I try to keep it eclectic because the church is diverse. Yeah, and so, certainly. Um, but it's been good. It's been really good. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with the Jensen program mm-hmm. uh, for college students. We had six college students that came up and served with us all summer. And uh, that was one of the things that we kind of charged them with is like, hey, we have a lot of people in our church that will, uh, they love the Lord, but they're still figuring out like how this worship thing is supposed to look or work or whatever. And we don't, we're not too bothered at how you worship as long as that you worship, you know, right. is what we're concerned about. And so uh, it kind of charged our Jensen students with, man, be free in your worship. Worship, like don't um, you know, spread, spread out throughout the congregation if you want and just worship when it's, when, and, 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 you know, think think about the Lord, sing to him. Um, and it's something that I have been um, kind of thinking about recently. Uh, went to, a, I sat in worship at a service where a guy had kind of said this. And I thought it was it's very cool uh, and interesting. I, I've always thought about worship as singing to that audience of one, singing to the Lord. And that is most, uh, a, a lot of the songs, if not most of them. But he said, yes, do that. But also, you're singing this to your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Together, we're worshiping the Lord. Like, hey, I believe this. We believe this. Let's worship him together. And so, um, trying to kind of incorporate some more of that kind of stuff in our worship service. But it's been it's been really interesting to see. We we uh, we keep a score every week at what we think our crowd participation score is, and it's been really good for the last like half a year. So uh, it's been awesome to see um, 
some of those songs kind of permeate their lives a little bit. And I'm, I'm very conscious with the songs that we sing that are simple in their message, not necessarily like repeat the same line 27 times, although some of them do, but simple in their message to where like when we sing them, people, whether English is their first language or not go, I understand that. Like I, I, I get that. I get mm-hmm. what this song is saying, mm-hmm. saying and trying to use that to be some of those building blocks um, of their faith. So. Yeah. We think about a diverse group of people worshiping together. Worship is a spot where they can have community. Mm-hmm. Right? And 100%. And sometimes there can be difficulty if you have a diverse group of people to have community. Mm-hmm. Um, have you have you found that there's that, that there's pretty good community even though it's a diverse group? I really have. Yes. Um, and that's been the most personally encouraging thing about being there. Mm-hmm. Um uh, we have three, uh, we, we call community groups that meet, um, small group, Sunday school, it's all the same basically, but three community groups that meet throughout the week. Uh, there was two when I got there. Um, and one of my favorite things is we, we've done, um, we're about, well, we're starting our second time doing a study across all of the groups together at the same time, uh, where each group is doing the same study every week. Um, and we had multiple people last year when we did that kind of study that, hey, I'm not going to be able to make my group this Tuesday. So I'm going to go to the Wednesday one because I know they're doing it. And so it would, I don't know. I've always felt like community groups sometimes can become like we love our community group and then you don't really invest in a lot of other people mm-hmm. right outside of. Mm-hmm. And so it was really cool to kind of see people go, oh, I, I'm not going to be able to make my Wednesday. I'm going to go Thursday because I know what they're doing. They're good people. I like them. Yeah. And so it's been cool to kind of see it's 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 community like cross church. And That's we're not awesome. that that big of a church, right? Yeah. We hit um, over 70 people on a Sunday a few times this past year, which was by far the most that we've ever had. Right. And so we're, we're somewhere around like 45, 50 a week okay. is kind of what we have. And really good community. I mean, honestly, awesome. I, I'd, um, I've been encouraged by that and mm-hmm. um and kind of seeing and that's one of the things that we're um pushing to is like in a city where you are only going to get um spiritual things if you seek for them if you seek them mm. you're not really going to accidentally hear worship music mm. at work or you know have the person beside you on the bus listening to a sermon it's just probably not going to happen right, right. right. um that you need to invest in the relationships with people in the church. You need to hang out with each other um, and do so, you know, and encourage one another or like, you know, have a relationship uh, with people in the church to the point where when you have a rough day at work or this situation where you're not sure what to do, you have somebody to call up and be like, Hey, this this is what's going on. What do you think? You know? Right. And so I've been encouraged to kind of see that happen um, throughout our church across, you know, ethnical lines and, Everything else. So it's been really good. Right. Oftentimes, and this is not always the case, certainly, but I've had some, not many, but some pastors mention the fact that they've had issues with cliques, you know, mm-hmm. in their own church in the South, right? In mm-hmm. the South, there's sometimes there churches that have been around for a very long time, that have had members that have been yep. there for, you know, six, you know, 50, 60 years. Mm-hmm. People get in their groups, and sometimes it's hard for those groups to intermingle. Yep. But when with your church, you know, being a church plant six years now mm-hmm. they've, has been, um, they're all seeking after the same thing and they're all kind of admitting the same thing. Like, hey, we're broken people and we actually, we really do want this and it's yeah. easier for that community probably to form. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And, um, you know, I, 
those groups are not a bad thing in and of themselves. Right. Um, right. They're bad when they uh, don't include other people or don't right. give the opportunity for inclusion for other people. And so, Absolutely. like, you know, trying to help our people understand um, and something that I've God has helped me understand in my life um, is that you're wired the way you're wired because God made you to be wired that way, mm-hmm. which means the people mm-hmm. that you really click with, the people you're really good friends with, it's because y'all are wired that way. Like right. you should be better friends with some people than others, but you should love everyone equally. Right. And so it's that idea of like, Hey man, if you're five or six, you know, ladies that are good friends here or, you know, five or six guys that like playing board games over here or whatever, do your thing, go for it. Just yeah. be inclusive uh, of anybody that's interested uh, first off. And then second off, use those groups for the gospel. Like, um, you know, something we've been really preaching a lot recently is, you know, you hear that, that um, Jesus hung out with sinners often. Kind of, really, sinners hung out with Jesus. That's really right. more how it worked. And right. so, like, live your life, do your things. You like board games? Go play board games. If you like, I don't know, shopping? Go shop. And But look at those um, people around that, uh, one, are unbelievers, or two, that may not be like plugged into one of those groups of friends mm-hmm. or whatever. And just include, like, just ask them, hey, will you go do this with me? I love it with youth. Youth are fun because they'll do anything. They're like, <laughs> I got to go, I don't know, buy new tires today. You want to come with me? Okay. Like, <laughs> they'll do anything. Like, it's so funny. Uh, but people really are that way where um, the gospel is an attractive thing when it's working in someone's life. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, it just kind of, what people want to know why, you're joyful or happy or why you even think to ask them to go get tires with you or whatever. Right. Right. And so, um, just kind of including people in the things you do is a good way, um, for both evangelism and discipleship. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The Jensen program has been, Mm -hmm. has been great. Um, for, for, I know many people when I was at Greenville that went on the Jensen program, Mm -hmm. changed their life, especially for people that think about, they're thinking about ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I think it, it's, it'd be great for all, all churches to, to take these yeah. mission trips because you can experience a different culture in our own country. Mm-hmm. That's the reality is we have a very diverse country, a huge country, yeah. and you can experience a different culture in Boston than you are in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, what was that experience like for those guys? Mm-hmm. You, I mean, it certainly, I'm sure it changed their walk with Christ yeah. and their view of the church. No, 100%. Uh, this is the second year in a row we've had... Uh, the group come up and it, we had five last year, um, six this year, and none of them, there are 11 different students. Uh, Boston actually has the largest ginseng, uh, like in the country in terms of people coming there wow. at 99 this year total across. Wow. Um, I want to say the number was 18 churches, something okay. like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's he, every single year. Um, John Chastine is the guy that uh, heads it up there and that's kind of his, that's his job. Uh, it's a sin network is Jensen Boston. And, uh, he, I know he was shooting for like 120. I don't know. He would take as many, if they would give him 200, they, he would do 200 right. to get him there. Right. Um, but it, it's been a huge help for us. Uh, if you're, if you're a college student listening or if a parent of a college kid, just give them this, uh, plant this idea in their minds. If there's something that they might be interested in, um, it is, especially for places like Boston where the churches are not huge, uh, having five or six people, like, just from a manpower perspective is incredible. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, it, it, you can, we get a lot of things done with them there that we wouldn't be able to otherwise. Um, you take things like a trivia night or a movie night or something where they can, um, 
you want to get flyers out or advertise for it or whatever, and you have like manpower to kind of like, hey, this afternoon, this is what y'all are doing, and they'll just boom go, and then you have flyers everywhere. It's just, yeah. it's been really nice to do that. But also, um, what we've tried to do is structure our ginseng in a way that they are one seeing a different culture and trying to figure out what does it look to live for, what does it look like to live for Christ here in Boston. Um, and then giving them the freedom to kind of do that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we've challenged them with is, you know, while you're here, try to meet somebody every week that doesn't know Christ, that you can talk with some more throughout the summer. Yeah. And then we give them a day um, to just explore Boston, to kind of fall in love with the city. And while you're doing that, invite those people that you've been meeting, right? Hey, I want to do the Freedom Trail where you can go see all the historical stuff. And I've never been here. Would you like, you want to go show me kind of how it works, where to go? Sure. Why not? <laughs> you know, and then you have a whole afternoon you're spending with a, an unbeliever um, and having conversations and doing stuff. And so um, that's kind of, we've, we've really tried to give them opportunities to meet people in Boston, mm-hmm. find out what it looks like to live on mission in Boston. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it, at the very least, they have spread the gospel to you know six or eight people that they've had the chance to to come in contact with and on the other side of the scale like the the ultimate uh goal for us personally would be you know and then when they graduate high school and they got to go work somewhere maybe they would consider coming back to boston and and you know plugging themselves into a church there and still living on mission in boston Mm -hmm. so and, and there are a handful of the people from this past year's Jensen that have said, That's, this is what I want to do. And yeah. I know of uh, three or four of them that have already started like plans in place to do that, not through our church, but through the 99 that have come. Right. And then we have uh, a girl that was on our team last year who is coming back to lead the team this year and uh, has already expressed that she wants to move to Boston when she graduates. And so, right. um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. We, we are operating under the premise that, the greatest pastors and the greatest churches for this next generation to reach Boston are not believers yet. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the the premise that we're operating under is like the greatest churches are not here yet. Greatest pastors don't know Jesus yet. And so it's um, God has looked through history at, you know, people like DL Moody who, you know, gave his life to Christ in Boston. There's a plaque on the wall. It's really cool to go see if you ever come up and visit. Right. Um, you know, um, Jonathan Edwards, um, Martin Luther, Billy Grant, all those people, and myself, Ivy, the different leaders we have at our church, the gen senders that come there, uh, the different people in our church. We are the people that God has chosen to send to Boston right now, right? He didn't send Billy Graham right now. He didn't send D.L. Moody right now. That doesn't mean that, um, you know, I'm some super Christian or whatever, like, yay, look at me. It's just more so like, okay, I have a responsibility then. Mm. And not only do I have a responsibility, but if God has chosen me to do this, then he's responsible for the fruit. And it's just my job to kind of be faithful and see what he does. Right. Yeah. And so like using, uh, using Jensen as um, kind of a, to help pour into them, but also to use them as an example to some of our people to kind of see like, okay, like there's some, there's some like real life things I can do. Like we got a few calls this summer from our gen senders during the middle of the week. Hey, I know we're supposed to be at small group tonight, but we met this, this guy 
and his son, and they're trying to get their groceries home. Can we help them do that? Yeah, go do that, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Do it. Or we yeah. met this lady, and we, she's moving tomorrow. Can we go help them move instead of doing whatever? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, those kind of things to help kind of our people see um, from a discipleship standpoint that what discipleship is is loving people with the love of God and mm -hmm. then watching him transform you as that happens, right? Yeah, so definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the important things about about that this ministry is is helping. You know, we, mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we're helping the ministry in the best the way that we can. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in Boston, like you said, there's only a few gospel preaching churches there. Mm -hmm. There might not be a lot of local support like mm -hmm. you might can get here. Um, so for people that are in our area that want sure. to say, hey, how can we help? What sure. are, how how do you want to lead them? How how can we help y'all? Well, uh, first off, obviously um, pray. Um, and there is, um, you know. I guess we can, you know, give email out at the end and, and we'll give our, our website and stuff. And you can go on there and sign up for a newsletter that we give so you can actually get updates. So you're not just praying blindly. You can see some of the things that is going on and you can pray for specifically. We like to send out um, like videos every couple months or so to give updates that way as well. So please pray. Um, God really is doing some stuff uh, in some people's lives and it's really cool to see. Um, and then second, I mean, we really do need financial support. It is such an expensive city. Like I have uh, recently moved, moved in September, and um, uh, myself and my fiance got a place together that she'll move in when we get married. I'm there right now, and we're paying twenty three hundred for rent a, a month, which sounds like a lot. And if you were to ask anybody there about our place and um, kind of like the location and the price and everything they would say that we have a steal. Like, this is a God thing that we have a deal this good. It's just right. kind of the way Boston is. It's just crazy expensive. And that includes everything at the church. And so we don't have a lot of overhead at the church right now to do ministry, one. Um, and then both myself and Ivy raise some support for our own salaries from year to year. Currently, we've not had to get second jobs. Uh, if God provides by me having to get a second job, that's what he does. Right. <laughs> but... Uh, he's done some miraculous things to get us here to this point. Um, but yeah, we're in the process of trying to, to raise that money so that I can stay full time, uh, you know, next year and the church is growing. But, uh, as I mentioned, the average time someone's in Boston is 18 to 24 months. So you kind of have to grow like twice as fast because people, yeah. they leave and move out all over the country. Um, and then, and that's actually something you, that, that we really would like prayer for as well as we, we really see ourselves, because of the way Boston is so transient and people move out, we see ourselves as a hub that can send people out, um, that are sending people out all over the world. Um, because the the members at our church, we have people graduating from Harvard and MIT and like some of some leaders in fields across the world that we're getting to kind of send out into those fields and other parts of the world to, hey, go go be the gospel in that workplace, right? Mm -hmm. And so pray that we would do that well and be able to kind of do some speed discipleship in the yeah. 18, 24 <laughs> months that they're there to kind of grow them uh, to the point where they can go be the gospel to those places. So pray for that. Um, yeah, any sort of financial help that, that we could get, man, we, um, the, more, the more finances that we take in, that's more ministry that we can do. We are very, very frugal with the money we have so that we can do as much ministry as we can. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so, Understood. and we are not the only church in Boston. There's like, there's many churches that are uh, looking for that kind of help. Um, but I, I can also tell you that it's a, it's a 
place that's well worth the investment right now. Like God is doing some stuff. There are people coming to the Lord, and we really feel like there's, um, you know, this this wave is going to break at some point, and there's going to be a, a a landfall of of believers that are coming to Christ. So we're we're excited about it. Um, but yeah, pray, uh, give if you can, and then pray some more. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> All right. Matthew, thank you so much. Yeah, thank um, you. Is there? We'll put a website link in sure. the description. Um, mm-hmm. You also have an app that you can go on. Yep, yeah, yeah. Arborwaychurch.com is our our website. Um, and then if you're interested in emailing me, it's just Matt at Arborwaychurch.com. Um, as well as we have an app, Arborway Community Church, uh, on okay. both iPhone and and Android, and that's basically our website. So if you're interested in giving or anything, you can do it through the app, through the website, uh, or if you want to see kind of what's going on. Um, you know, anything like that. It's an easy way to communicate with us. Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you wanted to mention before we, before we close out here? Man, I just appreciate you letting us come on and kind of talk a little bit about Boston. Uh, if you if you have any chance to get up to Boston, please come see us. Um, I would recommend uh, that you would do so and kind of see the things that God's doing in Boston on uh, a different scale than he's doing it here. It's just, a, it's a different feel, uh, but it's really kind of cool. Awesome. So, Matthew, thank you so much, thanks, man. man. Appreciate you doing it. All right, I'm Wilson Paris, and that's a good word.